you the new game? Bullshit. Jeffrey Wittenhagen, and I'm a published author and collector extraordinaire. My latest book, The Complete NES, was a Kickstarter sensation, is fully funded, and ready to rock and roll. I also have a Patreon book series called The Video Game Culture Chronicles that you could subscribe to at patreon.com slash the subcon3. And we've got God. Hey, hey. I'm big into uh, no death runs, high score runs, uh collector of all things vintage and retro uh, pretty much anything video game related also collect figures vinyl vhs tap handles old beer signs and old beer steins please call our number leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS so yeah, man, freaking Midwest gaming classic and the madness that it is, man. So what did you think of it as as being your first large one? A lot of things. Uh, everyone's really um, respectful. Like there's so many systems, and you know, so you could just take. I mean, if somebody wanted to, they could like you know take whatever. But no one. It just seemed like everyone respected all the. All this stuff, especially in the museum. I mean, certain controllers there you knew were worth like a hundred dollars and shit. And it's just like sitting there. I mean, it, it, that to me is amazing. Like everyone is just on the same page. They don't want to ruin the history of the gaming, and everyone's like, um, just really respectful. And uh, also, like with the all the people, they're more close knit than I thought. You know, there's they're on talking with a lot of them it's just they're just like on the same page the nintendo age guys especially them everyone has just got each other's backs and it's just there's like shit sitting in the nintendo age room that's worth like thousands of dollars and like people will leave the room and just have the trust that you know there it's going to be okay and it is okay I mean that's that's that was the big thing that just blew me away, just the trust of all of it, and uh, it's like family, you know. You wouldn't steal from like your mother or your father. Shit, I think there was like a thousand dollars worth of beer in the tub. <laughs> yeah, like if you think about those Lego three Lego NES sitting there, and you know those power packs just laying there is like <laughs> holy shit um, all these homebrews in the box stacked against the wall and, and that trust is like a family thing cuz yeah you wouldn't steal from your mother so that that's really the 
what I want to, the point I want to get across is it's like family. Yeah, I mean, this was the first time you actually met anybody on Nintendo Age, and you kind of saw the camaraderie that everybody has now that we're hanging out and drinking and all that stuff. Yeah, and I was going to all these dudes' different rooms. I think I was in three or four different hotel rooms of just, you know, random people. Like, we're drinking in one or smoking in another. I mean, it's just wild and crazy. So there's that aspect, too. It's like when you hear about certain bands or certain wrestlers on the road and going to hotels and just going nuts. That's kind of what this was. Yeah. Yeah, even Miles getting arrested and going drunk, getting wasted and going off on the uh, security guards. and I mean, it's just like, wow, you know, it's it's pretty wild. This will be a hard one, and they were even saying all the people there, like, this will be hard to top. I mean, like, Miles was drunk by 4 p.m. on the first day. Like, he was, like, lit and already, like, completely waylaid, and then he went even crazier down the deep end. I was watching pouring vodka. It was, like, the first drink was, like, a third vodka and uh, two-thirds ocean spray, and the the last drink was, was like, two-thirds vodka and one-third ocean spray. <laughs> It's worse and worse. <laughs> and that's that's the point when he went belligerent and went crazy on those security guards. But that's the thing, we, we even we even got to tighten it with the talking to security guards, the the owner of the, the convention. <laughs> yeah. um, so it was pretty cool to see our little VGBS idea kind of hatch into something that's really gone somewhere, I guess. I mean to be at a convention like that's pretty cool. This episode here, like everybody already heard our crazy ass panel that went on and we had, you know, a freaking industry professional sit on it with us, which was awesome. It wasn't even planned from the convention perspective because like the guy who runs the convention, Dan, didn't even know we were going to have Martin Alessi on with us. Which is ECW style right there because there's always a surprise. And then, like, all the Nintendo Age dudes showed up just to show their support. Like, our panel was packed with people. And this convention, I heard, was had, like, 12,000 unique people come through it. So, there's, like, so many eyes and ears that heard our crazy-ass freaking panel that we did on 90s Game of Nostalgia. And it's just, like, kind of blows my mind when you get so much positive feedback, too, because, like, throughout the convention, people were just coming up to, like, us after. It was, like, insane. I mean, you got to get the people in and get them invested in it. So that's where the trivia questions were great. Oh, yeah, it's great ideas. It's a perfect plot point. Um, like constellation set too, and we had like five more questions we didn't even ask at least. I think we got through half of them or something. So that's <laughs> uh, from now on. That's what we're gonna do because it breaks the ice too. Because now you're just in a conversation with the people in the crowd. Everyone. So it's it's, <laughs> it's not like you're nervous or anything because you have all those yeah. lights on you. And I was first like, geez, you know, this is wow, like this is pretty cool. I've done stuff like this before with like music and stuff. So I've really, you have to do it a few times. I don't think mm -hmm. uh, our buddy had really done it too much. <laughs> no, like he made it sound like beforehand that he's done a few panels, but like he was just super soft spoken. We had to remind him to move the mic closer to him multiple times. And 
I'm sure you'll hear it in the audio quality on the panel. Like, it's just, yeah. I mean, the thing was, though, is he had so many good stories. He's so knowledgeable, and he's an awesome and nice guy. Alessi, yeah. Super Alessi. <laughs> Super Alessi. <laughs> yeah, like, the thing that was crazy, though, is that, like, you know, I was also there selling the books at the convention, and, like, the first main day on Saturday, like, hardly anybody bought any books. I think it was, like, I sold, like, six or something that first day. And I remember t- talking with you, and I was like, geez, not a whole lot of people bought it. Like, um, I'm st- it's still well worth it to be able to hang out with family and friends to go out there regardless. But then, like, Sunday rolled around, and I, like, pretty much sold out of everything. I felt it, too, because with Haunted Halloween 85... I felt the same pull on Saturday. It was just feeling it out day. That's the big thing. Because conventions didn't used to do that. Like, I think that the prices were just high enough this year and, that everybody was like, oh, I'm going to wait till Sunday to get deals. And then, like, my books that I have, they're bigger. So nobody wants to, like, carry them around during the convention. So mine's almost like a end of the convention even the end of the sunday type of a purchase and i wonder how many people like forgot simply because you're like oh yeah i needed to go back over there i just made sure everybody got a business card too so that way they could go online and get it later if they want to but like it was fucking tough well plus with something that's paper and you don't want it around like drinks and Food. Yeah. And you have to add all those little things, those little thoughts that people have. So, like, on a Saturday, they would have to, like, take it up to their room immediately. And, I mean, for, for us, for example, like, we were at a hotel that was down the road. So that wasn't even really a possibility. Like, do we want to go out to our car every two seconds? Not necessarily if we could avoid it. We had VIP passes, and <laughs> they didn't. So it's not easy for them to, like, come and go like we did. We can come and go as we please. Uh, you, it's. I don't even know how that works. Like, if you can go back to your car and come back, or I don't know. You you can. Yeah. Once once they have the wristband, security was pretty tight. They caught Miles with the the cut wristband the <laughs> day before, and that's how he the second time. That's how he got thrown out for good. But yeah. Well, with the uh, on Sunday too, I fired on haunted. I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, this is, it's because you have money left. You kind of want to see what you're going to have, who's, what vendors are going to come out Sunday, if there's any new ones. They were pretty much all the same. Oh, yeah, there's there's no new on Sunday. It's just, like, what vendors are going to mark down their stock, though, because some vendors are just there, and they just come to Midwest Gaming, and when Sunday rolls around, they're like, well, I don't want to take anything home. So they mark shit down. Yeah, and I figured there might be a few that came that couldn't make it on Saturday due to, like, work schedule or something. There may have been, I don't know. I didn't really walk around the floor on Saturday, so I can't complain. There could have been shit. Yeah, I (laughs) I walked around a lot. Um, It's hard to tell, but there was... I also saw the same effect on Sunday in the Nintendo Age room when all the games sold out. And basically on Saturday... They had Arm for Battle, and they had uh, Beer Slingers, and they had The, the incident. incident, and they didn't have any of that shit on Sunday. 
it's gone. I I got one of the beer slingers. Yeah, I think Kevbot was the same way. Like like on Saturday, I was like, man, I didn't really sell a whole lot. And like he sold some, but I don't think he sold as many as he thought. And then Sunday came around, and he was pretty much sold out. And he's like, all right, this works. <laughs> yeah, and I I honestly I didn't buy shit until Sunday myself because I actually bought some stuff, um, but I didn't buy anything until Sunday. Like I was in, this, I'm just as bad. <laughs> I didn't get a thing on Saturday, actually. I got a lot of beer. <laughs> yeah, we got there on Friday. We I got, like, supremely blitzed. That was the mm-hmm. plan, because I didn't have any obligations for the next, you know, 12 hours or whatever. And then Saturday came, so I just got temporarily blitzed. But then after we did the panel, it was like a little celebration. Game on time. So we got destroyed. I, I think everybody in, in the Nintendo age room, like, like I've hung out with a lot of those guys and partied. I think they were really surprised how well our panel went and how we could hold our own bullshitting. Because I think a lot of those guys probably haven't listened to a lot of our episodes or they don't realize that we, we don't read from scripts and shit. Like, we do everything off cuff. So, like, the panel is just an extension of this podcast to an extreme. Yeah, and it was like, after I did the panel, I went straight to my boys, you know, and it, <laughs> it, it was like immediately, like, just, they were so happy. It was, it's weird, like, I'm not used to people being that, like, happy for you. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's the Chicago, it's the cold, like, northern life or something. And and the other thing with uh, the, with the cast is that we don't get shit tons of feedback like there's not people posting every time we post an episode and giving you kudos or posting reviews or anything like that every time we post something like we get few and far between at that panel everybody sees us and immediately (laughs) like you get all the everything if you suck they're gonna tell you you sucked (laughs) you know what i mean well yeah um that's the thing so it was it was great it's just uh, something I can't. I can't wait to go back like next year. That's the thing. Oh, and and the thing that was great too is that like I was able to come and hang out a day earlier, and then we got to drive up listening to eight bit Nintendo tunes on the way up and on the way back, and you know the whole overall experience was like excellent. And the fact that my wife wanted to actually drive out to visit family, like the whole drive was even well worth it for the whole entire experience because it was just like overall it was a blast and putting aside like even if i didn't have shit to sell um i would do it again no problem like just to hang out and party and do the panel like it'd be great and you got to do it the right way for sure like you were saying you got to bookend it with because yeah when we we threw a bunch of nes soundtracks like Super oh, yeah. mastered style, and you just gotta start and end it with the perfect thing, you know. So you're in the mood too. It's just, it's oh, just right. Yeah, and perfect. Nintendo waiting room had a bathtub. We all just threw our beer in there, and there was just it was like infinite beer, basically. <laughs> More beer than you could drink, and. Like, I remember one person was like, oh, you're a wuss, you didn't drink that much, like, from a year years prior, and that guy came the next year. I think, like, when I was there three years ago, a guy was talking smack, then he came the year after, and, yep, <laughs> like, it's a never-ending tub of beer. It's not like, like, we take huge gouges out of that tub every night, but people keep on adding more to it, 
You know what I mean? And it's just, it's one of those things where the tub just keeps on getting more and more beer in it. Yeah, next to our room, there was a Turbo Graphics, like, yes. type room, and that was awesome. They had, like, a Legendary Axe custom uh, Turbo Graphics 16 with, like, a spider on it. When you And uh, when you turned on the, the power, like, some eyes would, like, light up or some shit. It was crazy. And they had, like, moss on the top. To make it look like um, like one of the scenes from the game, like when you're platforming oh. and stuff, it was like killer. They had a, uh, a Neo Geo um, joystick hooked up to a converter that went to a PC engine. They had uh, Super Dodgeball Damn. on it, yeah. So you could play Super Dodgeball with the Neo Geo joystick. Um, they had a PlayStation monitor that they converted into a PC engine monitor and it, they had it. So it plugged into the back of a PC engine. So basically it, it was like a portable, as long as you could plug it in, you could play PC engine with the little PlayStation screen and, uh, on the road. So that's the shit. Yeah. They had the shuttle there. They had the super graphics there. It was awesome, man. Like, so were they pretty cool with you when you went in there? Super cool. But I, I immediately started talking to them in yeah. dialect that was like, okay. Like, um, we were talking about what games take the six-button controller, and I was like, yeah, I think Street Fighter Two is, like, the only one. They're like, yeah, it, exactly. So they are, they knew, like, right away I wasn't some, like, newbie or something. It was funny, like, when I went in there, because I went in there on Friday, and I had on not only my Nintendo hoodie, but my Nintendo Age hat. So they were like, oh, what are you doing in here type thing? And then I explained to them that, you know, I had more Turbo Graphics and PC Engine in my book than Nintendo in my last Culture Chronicles book. And they were like, oh, shit. And I was like, then I saw the one guy had a big binder full of, like, manuals and advertisements and artwork and, like, custom shit from the PC Engine Turbo Graphics era. And we were going into depth and he's one of the guys that runs the room and we were going to depth on like how awesome some of these are and how these aren't scanned in properly on the internet ever and he's like creating an archive for all that shit which is freaking outstanding like and then after that they were cool as fuck with me (laughs) what's the deal like what's with the rift oh i i just think that for the past five six ten years however many years nintendo age has been going to the convention um, some of those guys had a run in with the turbo, like Nintendo Asian, the turbo guys had a run in or something. So oh, really? I, I bet somebody's sour. I bet they're just sour at each other or something. And the thing is, I try to explain to them, like, I like PC Engine and Turbo Graphics just as much as Nintendo. Like, yeah. it's just, it's just, an, it's another amazing freaking system. Like, like my top ones are like Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Turbo, and Neo Geo. Like, those are my favorites. Those are always hooked up, no matter what. Yeah, you got to. Absolutely, same here. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like just weird that like their little negative connotations. But then as soon as they they realize that I probably have more PC Engine and Turbo games than they do, most of those guys like, and so do you. Like, it's just funny. But yeah, they were. I did. I didn't have like a. I think I had like a Blade Runner hat on, so they didn't look at me like predisposition yeah so yeah you were you were you were more camouflaged than i <laughs> yeah <laughs> um there was 
down the hall from us, there was the Ben Heck room, and he had the, the huge Game Boy that had Tetris on it. I mean, it's the, game, yeah. the Game Boy was, like, massive. It was, like, as tall as a small child, maybe, like, three feet tall or something. So, And it controlled perfectly. And that kind of dovetails into they had the Tetris tournament there. Yeah, old, old Ben Heck, though. Like, Ben Heck was, like, a, a dude that I met in 2010, and he was cool as shit. And the weird thing is, is that he has his Ben Heck room there every year. And I like never see him in there. I see all the guys and they all seem weird in the room. They make some amazing shit, but it's like, like, it's just, they're in their own little world. (laughs) It's really cool though. A lot of us gamers are introverts, so. You have that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just kind of a thing. Once you break the barrier, though, I was surprised how many people like are so candid. Eventually, like, it, it's so weird. Yeah, some of the conversations are like, "Geez, you know, like we're getting deep here." Oh yeah, a lot of intelligent people. I love it. Um, and then it was Frank who was in the the tournament, right? Yeah, Frank uh, Riz, and um, we roomed with him. And mm-hmm. the cool thing is, is that he is the current world record holder on the Nintendo World Championships. That guy's super chill, too, man. Yeah, like, oh my god. And, and he <laughs> programmed the homebrew arm for battle yeah. from scratch. Like, the dude is like a, a savant, man. He's like one of the coolest dudes. Like, who, what other NES programmer also holds a world record in something like the Nintendo World Championships that's like a highly sought-after record? Like, some of the records that I have aren't sought after. Like, Nintendo World Championships, everybody fucking plays that. And he has the record. The Tetris, too. That's the thing, the Tetris guys. I was watching them play it, and they hold down the entire time. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, holy fuck. I mean, it was cool. You had the museum, too, which had, like, security. It was great. So they they were like hardcore, like and it went from Pong all the way to I don't know, a few years back probably. I can't even remember the newest thing. But they had like Max in there, Apple Twos, you know, uh FM Towns Marty with with Truxton on it. I mean that's why you gotta <laughs> yeah, have yeah. security. I mean, you can trust most people, but I'm sure they've had a run in. Something happened. Something happened. And and I've heard that this year the security was much better than previous years that's what i was told so i guess previous years it wasn't too great this year they were on point well the thing that i was looking around i was like they have a lot of security and then i noticed all the entrances yeah i was like that's why because every every doorway they need someone because you can sneak in that's what miles was doing he was sneaking in all the little side doors <laughs> miles <laughs> oh, i'm just God. crazy like around the convention like i'm always looking for, like, cool arcade stuff and, like, Nintendo arcade shit, like, Play Choice Toppers and Play Choice 10 games. And I noticed that there were a few, but they were, like, $50. Like, even, like, marquees from any, like, popular game were 50 bucks. It's like, I'm used to paying 10, 10 bucks for that shit, and it's, like, 50 They had three toppers that were 40 each, with Contra and, um, my own Mock Rider, something something else i should have got the contra one because that was a good price i'm sure those went real quick 
Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I didn't buy them. That's for sure. Like even the $25 bin that they had, they were like really bad quality, but like they had a Donkey Kong marquee and it was $50. I'm like, like I, I almost could get the arcade, the full arcade machine for 200. And it's like, you're just selling the, the one piece that one marquee for 50. Well, that brings something I want to talk about. I mean, you, you had your deals, um, it's funny that I found a GI Joe vehicle for three bucks, like because it's not a game. So yeah. it's just someone brought it, and it's like an extension. I'll have to send you a picture too. I I did something awesome with some of the stuff you gave me, and the GI Joe vehicle you have to see with the Battle Beasts and the uh, Barnyard Commando right. stuff. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, that that's one thing for that's one thing for the listeners. Since episode two, this is the first time we actually hung out. <laughs> since episode two was was for this uh event so i brought a bunch of treats i bought i i, I call it i made a bunch of donations to the retro zam for kyle's retro zam yes <laughs> hell yeah that's, yeah to take you some pictures um uh, the prices though i really wanted to go into that like they were yes, very yes. high like there was chrono trigger box like five hundred dollars i mean you're starting Yo. to see double zeros after the numbers now it's starting to get like intense. Well, I mean, how I see that is, is that anything that's highlighted from a YouTuber, highlighted on a TV show, the internet, anything that's like known is going to be super overpriced at a convention because it's like a spotlight. It's not going to sell for that shit. It was the same thing with like that um, Genesis kiosk that we saw on Friday. It said five hundred OBO, and I'm like, hey Kyle, you get that for four hundred. And then it was gone in two minutes, and then I asked, you know, the guy who sold it, which was Everharm from Nintendo, he's like, yeah, I sold it for 400 <laughs> I was like, yep, I know exactly how the, how the bartering works at the convention. And But, like, with the Chrono Trigger shit, like, there's going to be people that show up to these conventions that don't know any better. And those are the Saturday bait that they're trying to get to buy some of these high-dollar high items. The other aspect is is that there's certain items that people have in their seller booth to spotlight or highlight, and then you'll go and look at it, and then you'll check out their other games and maybe find something you'll buy. That game's there to bring in. You know what I mean? It's like they never planned on selling it. <laughs> it just fucks with my head when you see games that you own for like 300 and 400 and it's just like... <laughs> Mind-blowing, dude. Where is this gone? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, the other thing was too. It kind of take for granted. They had a lot of like two dollar, three dollar bins for like the NES titles. So that's awesome. If I didn't have, if I was trying to get games, you know, that would be great. So I can't take that for granted since I've I did all that years ago. I was in that place a long time ago, but um, so there was still some like little, you know, treat deals of games that, but there was, there was no, like, slipping. You, like, never catch anyone slipping at a fucking convention. You'll never find, no. like, a Dusty Diamond or something like we did at Video Palace. You're not going to see that in, like, the 2 or $3 bin. That's the one thing I can nearly guarantee you. There's a, There's got to be a percentage, like the lottery or something. Someone's got to win the lottery, right? It would, it would have to be something that would be not super known like maybe a genesis obscurity i always think of like 
Tecmo Super Bowl three, the um special edition or whatever. There's like a, a Tecmo Super Bowl that's worth like two or three hundred dollars. It was released in a limited quantity before the normal Tecmo Super Bowl three, and I think there's only like a thousand to two thousand in production that were put into production, and then they stopped it. And I think it was for Genesis and Super Nintendo, but like. That game right there on the Genesis is like kind of unknown. Like a like if you're a Genesis collector, you'll know it. But most people are strictly Nintendo, and then maybe progress to Super Nintendo and maybe Game Boy. Like the Genesis is almost as obscure as like Turbo Graphics and Neo Geo collectors. Like uncharted territory, a little bit. A little bit. I mean, you'll see though. Like the prices are definitely going up on Genesis Two now because people are getting all their other collections out of the way, so they're moving on. Well, it is kind of like the Dark Continent, because SNES is like, all the games are brightened up to the point where every little nuance and every little crevice and every little type of genre and game and style has all been figured out. Everyone knows, like, the price value of each. Oh, yeah. Genesis has been at such a low price value for so long that I think it keeps people from really... um, digging in deep because the financial gain isn't as good obviously as SNES or NES so you have yeah. that aspect too where it's like well fuck Genesis like I'm not even going to worry about that I'm going to worry about collecting your secret of manas and your crawling triggers and but Genesis does have your crazy shit Genesis does you just gotta know and look for it and uh, I think it's actually what I found with Genesis we've talked about this before it's the games are in nicer condition because they've been stored in that box. With the oh, manual, clam hopefully, and Yeah, so... I think, though, that the Genesis, for me, is the system that I found the most hidden gems based on the box art, which is, you know, one of our little podcast... or one of our panel subjects. But, like, the Genesis, like, when I was picking up Genesis games, I would pick up a game and say, oh, this is Shadow Blasters. It kind of looks cool. It has, like, a wizard on it and then you play it and it's a fucking awesome action rpg and i'm like god i never even knew about this game and like the genesis like there's tons that's the beauty of the genesis because there's a lot of arcadey feeling games with yeah. the mega drive and the genesis whereas um snes has its own feel uh very like cartoony um whereas like uh, Genesis has that arcadey feel, and then the NES kind of has some some games hit, some games miss. So you, NES is the one where you have to sift sift through the for the gems because it was harder back then to make great games because you didn't you had the limitations, you know. Yeah, it allowed people to get more creative. Yeah, sixteen bit just opened up like so many doors. So I almost think like Genesis is like crude. It's pretty awesome. Oh, very crude. Yeah, the games are just yeah, like and also I always laugh when you die and get a game over. It's just you see that Sega logo and you know like dude, that's it, man. Like ah, uh... <laughs> <laughs> like that's it. You're done, dude. Whereas Super Nintendo's like continue forever in a lot of games. It, it's more forgiving. Oh, yeah. I remember like most of the SNES games I rented, I beat because when I was a kid. And we were talking about this before the cast. I would play for hours on end. Now I have a shorter time that I can allot to these things. But yeah, it's it's why it takes us like a month or so of 
making a game a homework assignment when we probably is growing up, it would have been a weekend homework assignment. Like in a weekend we would have gotten where it takes us now a month just because of how we, the time we have now. And there's like relationship things. I mean, I'm not going to work relationship. Yeah. It's like you come home working all day and you're just going to hold yourself up in a room. I mean, you have a relationship to also maintain, you know, there's no, a- hold yourself up in a room, dude. So it's like, a, it's like a, there's a person who wants to talk to you. Yeah, like, there are people who do that, and they're called single. Yeah, like, I mean, that's the thing. Like if if I was single, it'd be great. But now I have a wife and a little daughter, and she wants to freaking my daughter wants to play today. But today was great. By the way, it was awesome. Like I love having the family time. Yeah, I mean the key is that the family time. You got to make it do what you want to do and get them involved. I mean that's yeah. that's how you win win. I think I think in the next couple next couple of years it'll be great setting London loose on these conventions too. Like she's gonna be selling little stuff herself. <laughs> she's about ready, be yeah, because there were a lot of little girls there. Well, yeah, like one dude he had his um, I think she was an eight year old, and she made these little wristbands, little rubber band wristbands that she made. And she was home for a buck a piece, and he was the father was like proud. He was like, "Yeah, I think she made like sixty bucks this year or something." <laughs> I was like, oh, "That's yeah. fucking, it's fucking awesome!" And, I'm like, I'm like, and, and I was like, "Yeah, I got my own four year old," and he's like, "Dude, she started when she was six. It's <laughs> like nice, because I mean, London. The first thing she said was, "I want to go to the convention." That's what she said. It's like, I want to go play games with Unky Kyle. <laughs> oh yeah, I can, I can see her playing games. Well, like, right now, like, it, it wouldn't quite work because she's a little too young. But, like, a few more years down the line, like, she'll come hang out at the convention. And then, like, she'll be old enough to where she can just go at nighttime, maybe have a friend with, and go hang out in the hotel room and trash it or something. She'll be a little bean sprout. Just wait, man. Just wait. In, like, three years, she's going to be, like, six feet tall and shit. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying, like, maturity level, too. Like, right now, she... I, I don't really, I wouldn't leave her alone in the hotel room at night, but like, n- like in a few years, like when she's a little more mature, like she'll be able to hang out and Andrea will probably come with or whatever, you know? But then like we can, I can still go hang out th- with the Nintendo H peeps at night. That's the, cause that's part of the experience. Yeah. You know, like seriously, I bet she'll be like five feet tall in like fifth, sixth grade. <laughs> cause Andrea's tall, you're tall and girls grow fast. So. I'm trying trying to think. By sixth grade, uh, junior high school, I was six foot. Like I, I'm, I'm where I am now by like junior high. Most most kids didn't get to that point until like high school. Most boys didn't get to that point until high school. Yeah, that, my my brother definitely didn't until his senior year. He was like five three in the senior year. He's like six foot. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. So. I've I've heard stories. My grandpa he was 25 and he said he was still growing. He said he grew like he he grew an inch or two at like twenty five. I think like there there is that whole unproven aspect that if you lift weights, it'll stunt your growth. And I started lifting weights in junior high, and I hadn't grown since. And you know my arm span is six five, which is technically generally what you're supposed to be for height. So like there's like four inches that I could have been taller, which would actually in hindsight sucked. Because everything would have been harder to buy for clothes and shit. <laughs> John White's a tall motherfucker. Yeah, John White. He's great. 
What are you doing, slobber? <laughs> yeah, he's cool. There's a shit. picture of me with cat ears floating around now. Who put pink cat ears on me? John said he was big into, uh, he said he was big into, like, music, the video game music type stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. he says MAGFest is his favorite, because it's the music and gaming. So, he said there was, like, sick bands there. I would, that would be an amazing one to go to. Oh, yeah, MAGFest is uh, 10 minutes from my house, so it's yeah, like, a, I'm, I'm definitely be going to MAGFest every year, and I know, um, like, I had an in with them for this year where I could have done a panel. <laughs> and I had to, I was out in Arizona training, so I couldn't go, which sucked. But it is what it is. But a lot of, a lot of people that I know go to MAGFest as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the music and Memblers, man. He was great. And we were smoking in his room and shit. The thing is, is that like, Membler has been doing the homebrew thing and developing before anybody. Like, he was doing it in 2003, 2004. And, like, I posted a picture because uh, Membler gave me the um, Play Choice 10 homebrew. Yeah, we got to talk about that. That's where I was going with this. 
Yeah, and <laughs> it's a custom board that Mambler made. And I was talking with a dude who put the Mad Wizard on a homebrew or on a Play Choice 10 for me. And I'm like, hey, this might be one of the first boards. And then this dude was like angry because he actually made a board the same color as Membler. And he thought Membler was going to jump in and start making reproductions and shit. And I'm like, do you know who this guy is? And he's like, I don't really know who he is. I'm like, dude, he does like homebrews. <laughs> like he does, he's been involved with the. He likes doing the technical stuff because he can do the technical stuff. He likes to build it because he enjoys it. Like, most cool down-to-earth dude. And, like, he's not going to go in and steal your business, dude. The dude was being, like, greedy. It's funny. <laughs> it was funny. Like, I saw him. Members had the Jimi Hendrix hoodie on. And 20 minutes later, we were in his room toking it up. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude. This guy's awesome. But the Good thing is, he had, he had a bunch of 2,600 games. And, uh... That's what we really were talking about too, because he has the same love that I do with like the minimalism. So he, his interest in twenty six hundred was like to see what people can do with the most minimal amount of technology. Yeah, you're given like a scrap heap, and you are tested. You know, you're tasked with creating a you know a Tower of Babel. So it's like. What can you do with the limited amounts? I mean, if he's already moved on to like Play Choice 10 shit, I mean, that's like super advanced. I mean, he's just so humble, too. He's so humble. I, I just love that guy. Yeah, he developed like a lot of NES homebrews, too. Like, he's, he's doing, he was doing NES like 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And he's like a madman, though. There, there's some games that he's done that are worth like a thousand dollars because there's only like one copy and he doesn't have the rom <laughs> like it's like a one-of-a-kind game <laughs> like there's this like roadkill game that i think ferris bueller from nintendo he's the only one who has a copy of it and there's like so many I, he did the uh the, the legendary garage cart that he oh released, yeah and everybody wants a copy of that <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so I, I did find out that the homebrew that um that members put on this Play Choice 10 is the same one that is on the Super Nintendo CD. Like, the one um, that they developed specifically for the CD drive, and it's, like, something that basically... He obviously didn't develop the homebrew. He put it on there. But it's, like, this little block puzzler thing and it doesn't work quite right unless you put a quarter in on the play choice which is interesting because mine's on free play doesn't work quite right but but yeah so that's a, it's a pretty good segue to the super nintendo cd that was on display yeah and uh real quick so when you put a quarter in does it work quite right um yeah then it works fine like the there's like a little icon that you're supposed to be able to see and you don't see the icon until you put a quarter in. it's really interesting like, you can start playing the game and moving shit around and beating the level. Okay, cool. And then, yeah, so on Sunday at, like, 2 p.m., that panel was the unveil. They had the Super Nintendo CD on display yeah, where we could take pictures there. and shit. And it was, like, in a weird spot in the convention to the point that me and you walked... We, like, Everyone walked by did, a hundred times. Everyone was And I was like, dude, that. where's the fucking Super Nintendo CD at? I didn't even see it, and... Then somebody who saw it's like, oh, it's over here, and we walked over to it, and I'm like, dude, I walked by this. I talked in front of this fucking thing. Well, what me and John were saying, it was it should have been like a centerpiece. 
Yeah. It was just kind of like on the side. It wasn't like, you know, this holy light like shining. Like, that's what it should have been. That's what I would have Yeah. Like, let me take a poop on it. It's in the corner. Like. <laughs> it's easy. Just just get a track light and put it above the thing. Like, that'd be amazing. And and put it in the center of the room instead of, like, next to a door, like, where people are going to be walking and congregating. Like, put it, like, in the middle with your, with your track lights. Then the, the room would be, like, filled to the brim. People wanting to see where it is. Exactly. You got to make the presentation right, and then it's, like, perfect. Fit. And then it goes to the, the classic panel on Sunday. Oh, yes. That was – oh, man, I feel sorry for him. But I kind of don't. <laughs> it was, I was like, like – Yeah. Well, let me hear what you guys say. Okay, so I didn't see it from the beginning because, like, I was um, I was doing something. I think I was, like, with um, – Martin Alessi at the time, and I can go back to that. But I was with him, so we got done. I went over to the Nintendo age room, like nobody's there. There's like one person. I'm like, where the fuck is everybody? And, and I think he was, I think it was Jobber. Somebody's like, I don't know. And then I, lo- I looked at the time, and it was like two thirty. I'm like, oh shit, because it was like two o'clock is when that that panel happened. So I went over there, and Dan was over there too, and I was just trying to get a hold of him like the entire fucking day. Dan runs the place, and he was running around like a crazy ass. So I went over there, saw Kyle over there, sitting there, watching, and the guys just looked like they didn't know what to do. They had um, Jeremy Parrish there, which is uh, one of the Retronauts. I met, I only knew it was Jeremy Parrish because I saw him the night before at the bar, and I chatted with him for a little bit, and he's a really, really cool dude. But the, he didn't really have a part with it. Like, the guys with the Super Nintendo thing were, like, talking most of the time. And they were telling stories about a mustache and shit. That's what, that's what I remember. It's like, talking about the old man. Like, yeah, be growing a mustache. And, like, <laughs> so you're not going to talk about the Super Nintendo CD? <laughs> like, <laughs> I asked Dan and uh, Mark, who run the convention, I'm like, do you want me to, to, to ask a question? Do you want me to ask a planted question? Because I was basically going to ask him, do you ever plan to uh, fix the CD so it actually works? And then you can run the homebrew that somebody made specifically for your CD. <laughs> and because the, the CD, like, I remember this was known beforehand that the CD the seized up and didn't spin. Okay. Um, yeah, that was a known thing. But then they couldn't even get it to, like, power on or anything at the convention. It was weird. Well, here's the thing that's, that was bizarre to me. Someone asked the question, does the CD drive work? And they were like, no, it doesn't. We tested it, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, why didn't you test the system before you had this panel and got us all excited? Or is this a work, as they would say in wrestling? It's, it's definitely part of work. And then, like, I guess they had the wrong power supply or something. And So how did you test the CD beforehand? And how did you test <sighs> the console and not come to the panel and say it doesn't work instead of saying we're gonna test it and see if it works that's bizarre to me it's like he um got caught in a lie almost i don't know and it's, it's ironic because <laughs> they had a kick they had a kickstarter where they wanted to do a book and i think they wanted like third twenty thirty thousand dollars or something and they, ma- they didn't even make five they didn't make five grand five grand would be a, a print run I mean, that's what I'm doing on all my books from now on is five grand when I don't have a game associated. But, like, they didn't even make the amount for a normal print run. Like, I don't know. 
if they just didn't have enough content or I mean obviously they didn't from the panel but it was almost kind of like I watched like Jeremy Parrish kind of distance himself during the panel away from them <laughs> like he kind of disappeared it was it was just kind of embarrassing for them I think yeah that's why I was saying test it before you go on well and, fuck yeah but he already said he tested the CD so now I don't know what to think and they like showed the cartridge or something working. They're like, "Oh, but this is on the Super Nintendo, not on the Super Nintendo CD." <laughs> I did appreciate that though because it didn't work. But they're like, "Well, we're going to show you at least what the cartridge something. looks like." So that's that's awesome. Show you something. If they didn't do that, I would have actually been pissed because yeah, why even have the panel anyway? You know, you should you could have checked all this in ten minutes. That's my thing. It's, it's kind of weird, it yeah. It feels like a work to me, because it's like this huge thing to get people to stay. It's like Hendrix and Woodstock on the last day. Like, let's just put Hendrix last so people stay, like, the whole time. And, like, get the, milk as much concession money and uh, convention money as we can. Then Hendrix's guitar didn't work. <laughs> That's what that was. Yeah, like, then think about that. Like, if that would have happened, yeah, that's a great analogy. Because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't realize that he needed power for the guitar or something. Like. But it would almost be like, you know, he could have got a new guitar, but he didn't. Because that's the he thing. didn't buy strings for his guitar because he didn't know. <laughs> yeah, because they could have tested it in ten minutes. So you you had all weekend to test it, but you waited till. Oh, here's what I want: like the air, like got sucked right out of the room when it didn't work. I swear, a third of the people walked out. They I did. I yeah. watched them. I was like, "There it goes, man. That's what happens." You know, it's all you put the hype up and you don't deliver. It's. It was still cool. It was still cool to see, though. I mean, I'm not gonna, not gonna say it wasn't awesome because we were a part of history. It's a one of a kind thing. And yeah. for that, I'm not complaining. I'm not bitching. I just, I got a weird vibe. Like, why didn't you just test this? Like, before you did this, why, why did you make us all like feel like there's a hope? Yeah, why do a panel on it and not just have it displayed like they did, but better. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting. Well, in in my opinion, the fact that they knew that the CD was already broken beforehand and didn't work. Yeah, I think they were only planning on showing the cartridge and the cartridge slot boot up. I think that's all they were going to show, anyways, which would still be kind of lame. And they didn't have the right power supply with it, so they couldn't even show that. And they were they were then they got another cord to test with it and. They kept trying different solutions, but again, like, why are you doing this in front of us? Yeah. It's, that's something you do, like, the day before the panel, right? Yeah, let's, let's make sure it works now. This is it. They, they wanted to say, we're going to turn this on live in front of you all for the first time ever. It's hard for me to believe that was the first time ever. Like, if you had the system, oh, wouldn't, yeah. you, wouldn't you test it out? They had videos showing that they turned it on. So see, there's a. It's I don't know. Maybe I don't know the whole story. Whatever, but it was it was Weird. cool overall. It's bizarre, but it was cool um, to see. I guess when they turned on the SNES one, when they put it in the SNES, the actual um, cart that they had, it 
it's kind of like a BIOS thing. I mean, it just went to like little selections. Remind me like a Neo Geo when you put in the memory card or something, you can like select little stuff. You gotta, you gotta assume that it probably had some RAM on it too or something, kind of like the Turbo Graphics arcade card or something. Yeah. Like where it, it probably, it probably helped boost speeds or something. But yeah, I mean, who, who's to say? We'll never know. <laughs> yeah. But it was weird. Yeah, speaking of unique items too, is that like, were you able to um, play Primal Rage 2 or Beavis and Butthead, that Galloping Ghost brought? Because those are both one-of-a-kind arcade games, and they brought both of those this weekend. No, I, I didn't make my way out that way. Yeah, they were like down in the basement, and they had like their own Galloping Ghost room this year, which is weird, because if it was on the arcade floor, I would have played it during our drunken arcade binge at night. But they had like their own section, I think because of last year's beer spill or something. But yeah, I like the Beavis and Butthead game. And I actually saw Doc Mack, who runs Galloping. I saw him on Sunday and talked with him a little bit. And he said that, like the response has been amazing at Melo's Gaming. Did you play the games or no? Um, I played Primal Rage 2 when we went there like a year ago or so. Or You got to tell that story. How, what happened to the Primal Rage 2 machine? Oh, the the year before, um, yeah, because I I went <laughs> I didn't go to Midwest Gaming last year. I'm saying I played it at Galloping Ghosts when like we went, me and you and Andrea. So what's the deal? First off, because I don't even know what's is was it like an unreleased prototype? What's the deal with PR two? Yeah, like <laughs> the um the Primal Rage two. I think there was like two or three um that were shown like as demos to certain companies or something and only one was actually made and so then galloping got it and they they put it on and into a cabinet and with all the original artwork and all that shit into a cabinet they brought it to um and this was after we played it they brought it to Mello's gaming and some dude was playing it and spilled a beer into the control panel that dripped onto the motherboard <laughs> and almost fried the one-of-a-kind BIOS that's unripped. Brutal. I'm pretty sure they haven't dumped it to a computer. Like, uh, like it's freaking insane. I think that's probably why Galloping had its own room this year. What'd that guy do? Did he, like, run away or feel bad? Or do you know what happened to him? Or No idea, man. I've been like, I'm so fucking... Oh, man, that would've been worse. That's terrible, dude, but fucking crazy. Like, that that, that happened at Midwest Gaming, though, the year before. It was great. Like, classic <laughs> times. There, there was this game that's like a, um, I think it's like a 10 or a 12-player arcade game that came out, like, last year. Some B or Wasp or something. They didn't have it this year, but I wanted to really fucking play it because they had it the year before. Some huge fucking cabinet. And it's supposed to be amazing multiplayer action. Like, supposed to be fucking outstanding. And you can only play it in the arcade because I think it's, like, four screens wide or some shit. Like, it's huge. Huh. That's amazing. Four screens. Yeah. Jeez. Ninja Warriors, two screens, so it's four screens. That's big enough. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's seriously, it's, like, ten player, twelve player, something insane. It's a fucking giant cabinet. The breakdown, like, well, that's what I want to mention, too. Like, so they were hauling out, like, broken down machines. Yep. That's the other thing, and kind of, like, why I don't really want to collect arcade games. You gotta be, you gotta have a very 
very uh, vast electrical knowledge. Because one thing fucking goes wrong. Yeah, I mean, this thing's working at the beginning of the weekend, and now it's not so... <laughs> Two yeah. days is like, oh, I'm just going to decide to fail. And and if you're collecting it, say you have a Mortal Kombat cabinet in your house, um, something goes wrong, either you got a fucking giant paperweight in your house, or you got to fix it, and if you don't know how to do it yourself, it's just like anything else. Like if you're gonna pay up the ass to get somebody else to fix it, like a car. Yeah, same thing, man. It's like, the, but there's no fucking arcade. But there's no arcade mechanics every mile where there's a car mechanic. So you have to like really know people and find the niche, and like you're gonna have to pay somebody to come out special, and it's just an expensive thing, man. You either gotta have an electrician's degree or <laughs> fucking. Hey. That's like the biggest paperweight in the universe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, because I remember with my um with my red tent, the freaking power supply got killed. Like, because I had the um EverDrive in it, and the EverDrive drew more power. I didn't realize it, and it my power supply blew up or you know fried or whatever. And luckily, I was able to snipe one on eBay, and I just replaced the power supply, and the fucker worked. Otherwise, man, I would have a giant big metal death machine here i would have i would have paid somebody to fix it but like dude <laughs> yeah it's just like no and it's like projects like i i listen yeah. to arcade outsiders and they're always talking about like how every arcade machine they get sits in their garage for months until they get it fixed up and ready to put in their game room and then when shit breaks it's another project and like it's a hobby in its own right for sure but I mean, I definitely don't have that skill set, like that unique skill set. No, I don't either. And I guess we're almost approaching an hour. I figure, um, so probably wrap this up. Uh, yeah. So on the final day, uh, you ended up selling all all your books out. Yeah, I, I sold out all the books, and I did a different approach as well. As I took books with me, and I helped out our buddy Martin Alessi, because um, he's doing Little Player, you know, the the magazine geared toward children. And I, I went around and I was like, dude, let's go find every single seller that's a game store and see, you know, if they'll carry Little Player in the store. Um, so I walked around with books in hand. And as we did, as I talked to them, people were like, oh, what's that book? I'm like, oh, that's my book. And I sold all of them. Like every time I had them in my hand, they were gone within five minutes. I'm like, shit, I got to walk all the way back and get more books now. Yeah, I helped out Martin. He is freaking super happy. And I'm super happy that he's super happy. Um, <laughs> while we were doing that, I was also using that as my time to finally game hunt. So I was actually able to look for some games and shit. And, um, I got a Majora's Mask limited edition, um, for the, the, um, Japanese Nintendo 64 that comes with like an expansion pack. That's a fucking cool little treat. Got some track and field, uh, controllers for, um, it's like a single controller port, but it's two controllers for track and field for the Famicom. So you can play it like the arcade. It's fucking amazing. Got a free Tempest freaking sign from a Nintendo Age member. Really cool dude. Tons of sh- tons of homebrews and shit too. Like you were saying, you got Haunted Halloween '85. I got Chip Maestro from the same dudes, which is the uh, the good old boys at Retro Entertainment. What else did? I- oh, I found that fucking one. I went and every single person that I saw on the floor that I saw had reproductions. I asked them, I'm like, do you have any homebrews? And most thought that their hacks were homebrews. But there was one group, like, by where the food was in, like, a room. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, we happen to have one back here. You just got to ask us. And it ended up being the BioForce Ape competition cart, which is one of the oldest homebrews. Because BioForce Ape was a Nintendo prototype that disappeared. Nobody found it. It was an unreleased, unfound game. There was a picture of it in Nintendo Power back in the day. This guy took that idea and made a homebrew based on it from the ground up. And then like a year later, somebody found the original, the real prototype. So there's like a BioForce 8 prototype ROM that people make carts out of. And then there's this homebrew that's completely fucking different. And it's, it's like a single screen that flips game. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, dude. But yeah, like, so I found that. And it came with buttons from BioForce 8. And it was like super cheap too it was great i let our other homebrewer kevbot know about that one too because he was happy to find that he's homebrew obsessed kevbot's homebrew highlights <laughs> yeah speaking of kevbots yeah he sold me a beer slinger green nice. yeah green and gray so i was like i definitely want the green one because i just love the crazy looking gem treats yeah i was um for uh 20 bucks which is a great deal like, I'm not going to pass that up. It's fucking good. Then I got mm-hmm. the uh, complete inbox with instructions, Haunted Halloween 85, which we're going to do an episode coming up on that for sure. It's amazing. Yeah, just like for people listening, that's our homework. So, you know, get to playing, people, because by the time, you know, like how, how we release things, like there'll be plenty of time for you to get spun up on some Haunted Halloween before you listen to our treats. Because we will be playing the fuck out of it. It's an amazing game. <laughs> it's a mastery, right, Kyle? Oh, yeah. It's excellent. And, uh, yeah, and I got uh, Zelda, the old school, like, cards that they used to have, like Nintendo Power type cards. Yep. Guy was selling a Zelda one for a dollar sealed, so I picked that up. He had a whole box of them, but I mentioned the uh, G.I. Joe Cobra vehicle for three bucks. I was like, okay, I'm just going to grab this as he's. It's just cool looking, these huge missiles on it, so I also collect that stuff. And then um, I had two bucks left at the end of the whole thing. I didn't bring too much money, actually, so I was I did good. And uh, they have, like, a double yeah. dribble for Game Boy, <laughs> so it's, like, cool, because I love my, uh, my uh, Game Boy sports games. That's actually wh- where my sports games love started, was on the, those Tiger, little Tiger games, and then... So I always like the sports games on the small portable stuff. It's just a real easy thing to do on the go. Oh, yeah. That was about it. Then all, all my money was gone, and uh, into the <laughs> sunset we went. Oh, there was um two other things that I'm looking at a picture that I took. I found Tapper for the computer. That's right. And it was like a couple bucks. And I look on the back, and it's Mountain Dew Tapper. It was in the box, So funny. Though. It was sealed, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it? sealed in the box. You got to mention the sealed part. Yeah. Sealed. <laughs> but it's like, but the front of it is just the tapper with the, the bartender on it. So it's a fucking cool, like, arcade or cool game room display piece. Regardless if it's Mountain Dew on the back, nobody knows. It's right in the front's the tapper, dude. The other thing, which I don't even know if I mentioned to you, is I got five dreamcast aftermarket games i saw you getting them um, they were on the same table as the guy you were who was um helping you exactly and like they're like he said i can't call them homebrew because 
like based on being able to sell them in his store, like Sega could stop him if he was making them a homebrew. There was some long story, so he has to call them aftermarket or something. <laughs> and you got like half off or something, right? Oh yeah, like he gave me a super cool deal and all that. Um, one of the games called Cool Herders is supposed to be like a a Pac-Man style game where you can attack too or something. So it's supposed to be a really really fun game. The other ones I haven't really talk, heard about, but I remember the guy selling the at the um the table who sold some of my books when I wasn't there. He um was telling me Cool Herders is a is a gem. The other thing that I got was an Adventures of Lolo a strategy guide for the NES. It's like a little mini strategy guide. It's Interesting. Black and white front cover. Yeah, it's like tiny. It's like I, because I have the other two strategy guides for two and three, and two was a um, homebrew one that somebody made on Nintendo Age, like a custom strategy guide for Lolo 2. Lolo 1, I've never had it. It's a tiny little one. Got that one from Extreme Gamer. Fucking cool shit, dude. Dreamcast homebrews. I mean,. People, you gotta yeah. be on the lookout. Anything's possible these days. You never know what you're gonna see next. Well, the thing that's crazy is that, like, I've been collecting Dreamcast homebrews from like QCast.net. I mean, I've done videos on YouTube and shit about them. And Neo NG Dev Team did some Dreamcast ones too. And then these guys have five sitting there that I've never heard of. And I'm like, where the fuck did these come from? Like, I've been looking up homebrews for all systems, like new aftermarket games for all systems. I never even heard of this one. And I'm like, geez, there's still people like there's always something there. That's why I feel like it's it's a really cool market because you can always find some new experiences. Yeah, there are deals to get like the Haunted Halloween. They're trying to sell that for 50 bucks on eBay uh, cart only. And you can get the box and instructions yeah. and the cart brand new for 60. So there you go. That is a deal. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, and, and the thing is, too, is that, like, I don't mind paying 50 or 60 bucks for, like, a, a new property or, or a new game. Whereas I feel like all of us, when we're at conventions or game hunting or anything, want to get all these used games for a cheap used price. We want to find the cheapest deal, the best sniping price we could possibly find for all the used stuff. But it's kind of like where I'm kind of drawn toward the the new retro stuff is I get to get new experiences and I don't mind paying the prices because it's new. It's fucking cool. And you feel like you're getting a great deal because you get a new experience like the Haunted Halloween episode. Like we're looking forward to doing that one. It's going to be amazing. Game is a masterpiece. Just romp through the dark valleys of Halloween. Yes. Hell yeah. And, And they're doing a fucking sequel, which is great. We found that out at the convention. Doing Halloween '86. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Fucking great, man. Yeah, that that was the thing. We met lots of cool people at MGC. You know, had a constant party atmosphere because Nintendo H had its own room, so we always had like a a home base to go to throughout the convention where we can go hang out with people that we know. Um, instead of having to go back to like a room or something, we got to go to a room that right in the convention and hang out. It was, like, there's no convention like Midwest Gaming Classic, in my opinion. Like, every other one has, like, a, a game convention feel, and then you have MGC, which is like a... Family reunion. Yeah, family reunion. They're perfect. So the last thing I gotta say is, until next year. Exactly. Like, we'll definitely be hitting up MGC every year that they'll have us, and have a feeling we'll be invited back again, hopefully. <laughs> 
All right. Well, with that, I think we're good for a sign-off. Hell yeah. Geronimo, motherfuckers. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at vgbspodcast at gmail.com. But we also have a phone number. It is 262264VGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message. Um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us. Shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right, see you later. Woo! Later!